the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Hour 2 of this Thursday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host and former Olympic figure skating judge. Not really, but I, you know, I've gotten opinions about that kind of stuff. I hope that you are doing well and enjoying this fantastic, fantastic warm day right here in February uh, in Southern California. And uh, looking forward to this weekend. Supposed to be really, really warm. Hopefully we'll keep the fires away. I don't want to ignore that there's, you know, a downside to this. And I know there's some fire in uh, Orange County a little bit today. And uh, so hope you're all doing well if you're affected by that. But we we're grateful that you're listening to our program and uh, we're praying for you. And uh, we hope that we have the rest of the weekend just fantastic to enjoy the Super Bowl and enjoying the Olympics. Are you watching it? I'm trying to get into it. And uh, the United States is doing a little bit better. We are now fifth in the entire medal count. Uh, Tuesday, when I last did this program, we were 12th and we had won no gold medals. But uh, now we've won four, four gold medals, four gold medals, five silver. And uh, the Russians, uh, whatever, they're always called something different in the Olympics now. You know, it used to be USSR. That was pretty clear. I guess they're headed back to that, uh, maybe. Uh, now they're the Russian Olympic Committee, and they've been the Russian Federated States. There's been a whole lot of uh, confusing names. They're down to fourth uh, now, Austria, Norway, and Canada leading in uh, total medals. Uh, but good for those countries. And so I think there's some exciting things out there if you're paying attention to that. I know most of us right here in SoCal, we're looking forward to the Rams and the Super Bowl. And uh, many of you are looking forward to the Bengals also. Great story with that. So hopefully we'll have a uh, super good football game. Hopefully the commercials will be worth watching. And uh, once again, if you are an usher at SoFi Stadium, and your job is to tell people to put their mask back on. Man, I'd love to have you call the show. We'll pray for you. You have a very difficult job coming up here. Put your mask on. Would you put your mask on, please? Put your mask on. Would you put your mask on? Put your mask on, please. You don't mind. Put your mask on. Would you put your mask on? Put your mask on. That's going to be a long three or four hours of uh, doing that. Phone number here is one eight eight five two eight two five five seven. That's the phone number one eight 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 L A Talks triple eight five two eight two five five seven. You can join our conversation. And be a part of the program. I've got my coffee ready to go today. And uh, we had a really fun first hour talking about some things. Jack Hibbs, our guest. And um, this hour, you know, I check whenever we have a break, I check the news. I want to know if there's something big going on. I don't want to miss that. But I also want to be careful because so much of the news that comes out is um, just stuff, you know, the headlines especially, they're not very accurate. You got to get in and read the story. So I, I don't want to mislead you somehow by putting out a story uh, that's not entirely accurate. Um, there was a story earlier this week that kept coming through that the headline on a Drudge Report website, which is not as good as it used to be. It used to be like right up to date, was that the National Archives had a raid on Mar-a-Lago to, to retrieve some Trump White House records. And I'm thinking the National Archives had a raid is there National Archives police? 
you know, when did this happen? And when you read the article, it wasn't exactly a raid. They went in and said, you took some art, some stuff that you shouldn't have taken. And when you read through the article, you know, the, the reason they want you to click on it is the raid. Like a bunch of uh, cops went into Mar-a-Lago and Mar-a-Lago, Mar-a-Lago, that's how you say it, Mar-a-Lago, and uh, took a bunch of stuff. But when you read it, uh, you realize, no, there's some stuff that uh, the president, uh, President Trump probably took that he shouldn't have. And there's some stuff in there that says, you know, all the presidents do that in different ways. Um, but Trump, you know, article says Trump's uh, they're a little more frustrated with with him than others. Apparently, he took all the letters, the love letters, as he called them to uh, Kim Jong Un with him. And uh, like you would, you keep your love letters, right? You don't put those out in public somewhere. And I suppose he kept those. Um, but they want them back. Something about being president is they, they want all the documents. Today's story based on that basically are also is that apparently uh, he's now being accused of flushing documents down, down the toilet. Uh, first it came out at Mar-a-Lago. Now they're saying that uh, he did that at the White House all the time, that they were constantly having uh, clogged bathrooms because of the flushing of, of, of paper uh, down the toilet. Which sounds interesting until you think to yourself, you know, what was it that uh, in the last year of the Trump administration we were having a shortage of? What possible thing might have let – and, you know, so I don't know. I don't know what was going on there. I don't really want to put that in your mind for too long. Um, but there's, you know, there's a controversy brewing there, but you have to wait a while, I think, before you figure out is it a real controversy or is it not a real controversy? And President Trump will probably come out and defend his administration's uh, White House plumbers, you know. Frankly, we had the best plumbers of any president. We had the best plumbers. Better than Nixon's, probably, probably better than Nixon's. I understand he had plumbers. I think they did something different. That's you know, might be something that he says. I need to work on the Trump, Trump impersonation. Some guys out there do it so well. You just have to learn to throw frankly and probably in as much as possible and do that. All right, so I'm telling you that story so I can tell you this one. Uh, Tuesday's program, my phone was just going crazy with with this. Biden administration is handing out crack pipes. Did you? <laughs> and this has been the thing going on in uh, particularly right wing media, and then the left wing is saying no, it's not, and yes, it is, and and somehow it has something to do with racial equity and all this weird stuff. And I didn't say anything about it because I thought that can't be true. It, you know, he's not handing out crack pipes is he i hope that's not true we live in such a weird time when you can't just dismiss stuff like that it used to be something like that would come across and you know it was baloney today uh you you got to look into it so i did i thought i would look into that a little bit with you and it led me down a path where i thought we could maybe have a discussion uh, it leads ultimately to a philosophy called harm reduction do you know what this is harm reduction uh, is a philosophy about how to deal with people who are drug addicts or people who have uh, some other uh, problems related to that, in particular the homeless. And it's along the lines of when we are distributing clean needles. This is a practice that started during the AIDS crisis. The idea was uh, a lot of homeless people and drug addicts are not just dealing with the effects of homelessness or or drugs, illegal drugs that they're using, heroin or whatever. Uh, they're also now using dirty needles and getting AIDS. Uh, and so there was the beginning of this, I think, was clean needle programs where it's like, okay, well, if you're going to do it anyway, here, have a clean needle. Don't give yourself AIDS, die of the heroin or something. Um, 
And so it started that. Now we have a whole philosophy about harm reduction, and it's highly controversial. It's blowing up in uh, San Francisco right now where they're having such a crisis with homeless people. And it's beginning to be more and more of a crisis here in Los Angeles and in San Diego. And it has to do with, is harm reduction an actually good policy? Is it helping people? Over the years, the idea is it's not abstinence. We're basically helping you take your fentanyl and heroin and meth uh, in a safer way. And that kind of sounds crazy, right? But uh, I think right off the top, is it crazy? Uh, Is it something that works? Do you have any experience in this? Do you have any thoughts about this? I'll go through and explain it a little bit more in a minute, but you can give me a call, 888-528-2557, 888-52-TALKS, 888-528-2557. We have such a crisis going on right here in Southern California, really all of the state, most of the major cities, and in a big way, it's a drug crisis. Homelessness is a misleading word for most people who are homeless. Not all of you. I know that some of you, um, you lost your job suddenly. This happened especially with the pandemic recently, and suddenly you had no job, and it was complicated to go move in with a friend or family, and you ended up living in your car, or you ended up in a bad spot. Sometimes people are homeless because of this, and I get that. However, there is something that's conveyed by homelessness that really is not because uh, a big company came to town and uh, rents went up because of all the high-paying jobs and the people lost their rent and now they're homeless. Most of the time, people are homeless because they have a, 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 a drug addiction, an alcohol problem, or they have some kind of uh, uh, mental illness. And if they didn't have that when they became homeless – One study I read said that you get that after about two weeks of being homeless. So maybe you lost your home, you lost your job, you didn't have uh, things working out for you, and two weeks of being on the street, you suddenly become a drug addict or an alcoholic or you start to develop uh, mental illness. So let's talk about this for a while. So the uh, President-Biden administration uh, put out something that was talking about harm reduction, and it included uh, a bunch of things to to help people with this. Let me explain the, the harm reduction to you here a little bit. There are principles of harm reduction. This is according to a website, harmreduction.org. Uh, I'm not endorsing or unendorsing this website. I just looked it up to find principles to help you. But this is what is is coming out here, okay? This is what it is. Uh, Harm reduction incorporates a spectrum of strategies that include safer use or managed use or abstinence. They include that in the list here. Uh, Meeting people who use drugs where they're at and addressing conditions of use along with the use itself. Um, It says that harm reduction demands that interventions and policies designed to serve people who use drugs reflect specific individual and community needs. Uh, There's no universal definition or formula for implementing harm reduction. But they consider these to be the principles. Ready? Here we go. Number one, harm reduction accepts for better or worse that illicit and licit drug use is part of our world and chooses to work to minimize its harmful effects rather than simply ignore or condemn them. All right. So the attitude with harm reduction is you can't do anything about drug use. It's going to happen. So how do we uh, reduce its harmful effects? Number two, understands this philosophy understands that drug use as a complex, multifaceted phenomenon that encompasses a continuum of behaviors from severe use to total abstinence and acknowledges that some ways of using drugs are clearly safer than others. This is where we begin to get into the controversial part. 
It establishes the quality of individual and community life and well-being, not necessarily cessation of all drug use, as the criteria for successful interventions and policies. It calls for the non-judgmental, non-coercive provision of services and resources to people who use drugs in the communities in which they live in order to assist them in reducing attendant harm. It ensures that people who use drugs and those with a history of drug use routinely have a real voice in the creation of programs and policies designed to serve them. It affirms people who use drugs. There's an acronym for that, P-W-U-D, people who use drugs or PUD affirms people who use drugs themselves as the primary agents of reducing the harms of their drug use and seeks to empower PUD to share information and support each other in strategies to meet their actual conditions or use. It recognizes the realities of poverty, class, racism, social isolation, past trauma, sex-based discrimination, and other social inequalities affect both people's vulnerability to and capacity for effectively dealing with drug-related harm. It does not attempt to minimize or ignore the real and tragic harm and danger that can be associated with illicit drug use. Once again, these are the principles of harm reduction, the philosophy of harm reduction from uh, the National Harm Reduction Coalition, harmreduction.org. That's where I got that from. All right. So the reason I'm telling you this is because we had these news reports that the Biden administration um, is giving away crack pipes. And uh, that's what uh, was said out there. So all of the fact checkers kind of went into business with that. And they said basically, no, they're not giving away crack pipes. Uh, that's only part of what they're giving away. There's a whole lot of other things that they're they're giving away. The reason why is the Biden administration is going to spend $30 million um, on a program for that includes something called safe smoking kits. That's what it actually says. All right. As a component of harm reduction strategy. All right. And uh, those kits constitute one of several different components for grant recipients. So what this is, is it's a way to try to reduce the harm of drug use, but not necessarily to get people. Ultimately, I think the intent is we want people not to use drugs. But what's happening, and we're seeing this in our cities, it's a program where people are given a safe space to use drugs. So we're not telling them don't use drugs. We're not putting them into programs to try to help you get off of drugs. We're instead saying there's a safer way to do your heroin and meth and fentanyl and uh, whatever. And uh, so that's what's happening. So in the equipment that this uh, is supposed to be buying, it's harm reduction. Number one, see, this is the one that I would have thought is the bigger red flag. Harm reduction vending machines. (laughs) What is in the vending machine? Is that where you get your crack pipe from the vending machine? Uh, D4. Anybody got another quarter? Uh, and what happens if it just gets stuck there and it won't come down? Do you kick the machine? Do you punch it? Do you get arrested for that? How does it work? Anyway, harm, I shouldn't laugh because I know this is serious for a lot of you, but there's something about this to me that doesn't seem like it's going to work and it's not working. Okay, infectious diseases testing kits. I think that's good. People, We need to know. You want to know if you got diseases. I think that's good. Medi- medication lock boxes. That's the uh, Al Gore contribution. Remember that? He was going to put Social Security in a lockbox. Every time I hear it, lockbox, that's what I think. Um, FDA-approved overdose reversal medication. So that's one of the things that happens in uh, these safe spaces for using drugs is that right before you die, they can shoot you up with uh, this particular drug, uh, and it will prevent your overdose. Okay, so the idea of the safe place to do drugs is that there's somebody ready there uh, if they haven't passed out yet to shoot you with this other drug. 
uh, safe sex kits, including uh, uh, prep resources and condoms, uh, then safe smoking kits and supplies, uh, screening for infectious diseases. I thought that was already there, uh, but this one is more specific, HIV, sexually transmitted infections, viral hepatitis. Uh, sharps disposal and medication disposal kits, uh, so you don't leave the needles and stuff on the uh, streets, I guess, which is not working uh, in a lot of places. Substance test kits, including test strips for fentanyl and other synthetic drugs. Synergies to prevent and control the sped, spread of infectious diseases, vaccination services, hepatitis A, B, and uh, vaccination in particular, and wound care management supplies. That is what the government is providing. So it doesn't exactly say uh, crack pipes, and if you kind of get into it, it doesn't look like it's really the pipe itself that is being given. Um, but what is being given is something that makes the crack pipe, if you happen to get one out of the vending machine or wherever you get those things. Do you buy those at Walmart? Where do you even get those? There's somebody making those, right? Um, there's something that makes it safer, you know, different filters, different tips, different things that keep it from blowing up in your face or whatever some of the dangerous things are, things that prevent you from getting other diseases. So the purpose of the program is to support these overdose prevention programs, syringe service programs, and other harm reduction services. So this is the philosophy that has been governing a lot of people's approach to uh, drug use. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557 is the number. Carol and Van Nuys. Carol, welcome to Southern California Live. What are your thoughts about this? Have you thought about this? Um, I have personal experience. My youngest sister was yeah. a coke addict, okay. lived with me twice in between having major surgeries, taking care of my own daughter. I half-raised my nephew. She lost her son because of the problems she had with the drugs. She ended up in juvenile hall, got out, got better. But then, like I said, she lost her son. And then she had a relapse because, you know, and that's why. But then she actually got off the drugs. And she actually has another son. She's been doing very well. She's been not on drugs for almost, for like maybe 16 years now. She's doing really good now. But there is no safe way ever to use any of those drugs. I mean, and then when she had a relapse, she actually was threatening to kill my mom because those things psychologically and emotionally, they affect you. Neurologically, you know, in every way they affect you. In fact, she almost died several times from using the drugs. Yeah. So... Do you, did she participate in any of these programs that are... No, in fact, she said none of those things would help. They'll just have people keep doing it until maybe they... Some may even die because of doing it. She just... She's been through it for like since she was a preteen up until in her 20s. And she was very heavily into being addicted to using the crack cocaine. And um, she's personally said herself there is no safe way using any of these drugs. And like I said, I have seen her on these drugs and I know what they do to a person. I had to half raise my nephew because of it. Yeah. So, and she was actually homeless for a while, living in motels. So I'm like, there is no safe way, not at all, to use any drugs. Like I said, she ended up in a juvenile, uh, Somar Juvenile Center, because it was either that or she might be found dead on the street. That's how bad it was. Yeah. And she lived in a halfway homes, and she, um, she's doing really good now, though. 
All right. She's doing really good now. All right. That's great to hear that. Uh, where's she at now? Does she live with you? Is she near, um, near you? Son, he's severely autistic, but um, she's taking good care of him. She's doing really good. All right. Well, that's good to hear that she's made it through uh, like that. Thank you, Carol, for your call, for being a part of Southern California Live. 888-LA-TALKS is the number. 888-528-2557. We're talking about harm reduction as a philosophy and policy of our government for the treatment of people who are drug addicts, in particular homeless people uh, in our big cities. Uh, Maria from Winneka, welcome to Southern California Live. How are you doing, Maria? Hi, Maria. Yes, hi. Um, my name is Maria from Winneka. You know, I really oppose the um, idea that they're doing that. It's called, the word you call for that is enabling. Um, that's like enabling a drug addict to to just kill themselves. Maybe they do want to kill themselves because that's, you know, I'm a former ex-drug addict, okay? okay? I was on the street. My husband threw me out of the house. I was a single parent. My daughter was just born. I mean, I went through so much suffering. I turned to drugs and alcohol. And uh, that led me down a very dreadful, dreadful existence. And if they would have supplied me all of that, I would have been really happy about it at the time. But I know right now I'm a recovered um, drug addict and alcoholic that that would have been the worst mistake I would have ever had. You know, maybe it would have gotten yeah. rid of the paranoia knowing that the government was on my side. But beyond that, trying to cure the, the basic problem that was, you know, deep inside, no. Um, I work with the mentally ill right now, people that have gotten it through drugs and just people that are mentally ill. Yeah. And, um, I really believe that there has to be a place where they can all go and, you know, just like put them in a big, a big warehouse where they will all, you know, learn like different stages of addiction. The ones that are, you know, using right. needles, the ones, get them off. Marie, I gotta, I gotta take a break in a minute, but I think that what you're talking about is, uh, something that people are, are, uh, saying, uh, Maria, how did you end up getting off the streets and off drugs? What led you to recovery? It was very, very difficult, but I got arrested. And okay. when I got arrested, they put me in a drug program, a rehab. So right. I couldn't leave, you know, to go out and get drugs. You, want, okay. you, want, you see what I'm saying? Yeah. I couldn't go and get drugs because I was locked up, and I was in a program, and I had to stop, and every other girl in there had to stop. And you know something? Over 95% of them recovered, and they went on a spiritual path. And that is so important is not to... Not to leave, you know, God out of your life. Because once you do that is when you even get involved with the drugs and you think that there's no other way. So, yeah. um, you know, I had a single daughter. I went through a lot of hell. But, you know, I, it was so hard for me to get out of that hole. I'm telling you, anybody that's in that hole needs somebody to take them by the hand and put them somewhere where they need help. They could get All fed. Right. They could get a normal life. They know what it's like what it's like to live normal. Maria, and thank you very much for calling. I've got to go to a break. I appreciate uh, that very much, and I'm so grateful that you're doing well. And In Maria's case, uh, she got arrested, and that's what, and they put her in a rehab, and that's what led to her recovery. So that method of doing things worked for her. That's part of the controversy, right, is that we're no longer arresting uh, people in these programs, that we're leaving it to another place. And I understand that we got overcrowding we've got some other issues, but uh, does it work is ultimately the question we should be asking. We're talking about 
harm reduction and does it work in particular to uh, people who are homeless and drug addicts, you can call me at Southern California Live, 888-528-2557, 888-LA-TALKS. This is the Thursday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be back in just a couple of moments. Stay tuned. Welcome back to Southern California Live. That's uh, Bill Withers and lovely day. The late Bill Withers, he passed away in 2020, not of COVID, right before the, uh, right about the beginning of the shutdowns, but that's one of my favorite songs. And isn't it a lovely day outside, beautiful day? I'm glad to be with you. I'm Scott Furrow. We are talking about harm reduction, the philosophy of harm reduction as a way to treat people who are dealing with drug addiction. And harm reduction is a, is what leads to the handing out of uh, helps for doing drugs in a safer way. It's meant to lead to abstinence and uh, helping people get off the streets and stuff. But a lot of questions are as to whether or not it actually works. And so you can call me up and give me your opinion about it, 888-528-2557. would love to hear from you if you've actually been through a harm reduction program to see if that worked for you. And this is in response to um, this week, President Biden's uh, administration put out um, some work about this in helping cities with, deal with people with homelessness, and they got accused of providing crack pipes for free. Um, it's not exactly that. It's not exactly not that. The official statement, though, coming from uh, the White House in response to uh, everybody saying that they're handing out crack pipes was this. Um, for immediate release, this is from HHS Secretary Xavier Becerra and also Director Raul Gupta. He is the director of uh, the Office of National Drug Control Policy. They said this, HHS and ONDCP are focused on using our resources smartly to reduce harm and save lives. According, accordingly, no federal funding will be used directly or through subsequent reimbursement of grantees to put pipes in safe smoking kits. So the administration was promoting safe smoking kits, and so the assumption was that crack pipes literally will be in there. Then they say the goal of harm reduction is to save lives. The administration is focused on a comprehensive strategy to stop the spread of drugs and curb addiction, including prioritizing the use of proven harm reduction strategies like providing naloxone. I think is how you say it. That's the drug that stops your overdose if you're in the middle one, I believe. Fentanyl test strips and clean syringes, as well as taking decisive actions to go after violent criminals who are trafficking illicit drugs like fentanyl across our borders and into our communities. That, so that's the official statement is that they're not handing out crack pipes. However, there's a vending machine that will apparently give you uh, clean needles and things to make your crack pipe less dangerous. Uh, not even kidding about that. Does this work? Now, they're claiming that there's proven strategies for this uh, to see if it works. And I'm curious to know if we think it's working or if you have a story, 888-528-2557. I want to read just one more thing real quick, and then I'll get to you. We got to be interested in this too, because as as a public, and in particular, I think as Christians, we want to be informed. We also want to be aware of what's going on, because there's some trickery going out there. And this happens in politics. There are organizations that talk about the way the question is phrased will help change public opinion in the survey that later gets released, according to the Recovery Research Institute. They put out a study there looking for what kind of language would cause people to be more supportive of this kind of reduced harm uh, program. And what they found is this, that if you asked people if they support uh, legalization of, quote, overdose prevention sites, 
meaning locations where you can go that prevent you from overdosing. 45% of people say they support the idea of creating overdose prevention sites. But if you ask, do you support uh, legalization of safe consumption sites, that number goes down to 29%. See, it's exactly the same thing. The overdose prevention site is the same thing as safe consumption site. It's a location where you can go, it's near a hospital, or it's got somebody there who will help you in case you OD with that drug to help you. If you phrase it, safe consumption sites, well, only 29% of the people are for that. If you phrase it, overdose prevention site, now 45%, almost half of the people are in favor of that. See, but they don't, they, they're the same thing, but they don't say the same thing. When I hear overdose prevention site, what I hear is we're going to keep you off drugs. When I hear safe consumption site, I hear we're going to give you drugs and let you take them in a more safe way. See, but it's the same thing. And that's the trickery that goes on. And we have got to understand the manipulation of language, the manipulation of surveys. This happens in political polling all the time. This happens in uh, polling of all kinds of issues. If you, if you want to get a certain answer, you can just phrase the question a certain way and uh, you might get a better result. Uh, so that's going on. Let me get to the phones here. Uh, Carlos in Long Beach. Carlos, welcome to Southern California Live. Hey, how are you doing? Thank you I'm for doing... having me. Yeah, thanks Carlos, for thanks for holding so long. Yeah, no problem. Yeah, so the question is, do I believe that uh, harm reduction programs are working, or have I been through one? I've not been through a harm reduction. Uh, I've been sober for uh, over 17 years. Uh, good for you. From crystal meth anonymous and alcohol and drugs. Um, but, you know, and I really, I think that I really want to challenge some of the listeners and even some of the people who have previously been on drugs or alcohol is to really open their mind and think about, you know, really what's, what's not working. You know, Nancy Reagan's slogan of just say no, that's not working. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That these are people's sons, nephews, daughters who are dying of, of overdoses from fentanyl, and it's an epidemic. And I think that some of the principles that, that, that um, harm reduction um, are based upon are meant to remove the harm of people dying in the streets or getting STIs or getting uh, diseases that, le- that cost more money, cost the taxpayer more money, uh, going to the emergency room, you know, all those health costs that they add up. So if we're going to spend our money anyways in treating these people, why not give them an option to reduce the harm that they're causing to themselves? Obviously, I don't think that that's the ideal situation. The ideal situation would be that these people aren't on drugs. But I think if you look at it in the context of what's causing these people to be out on the streets, you know, it's it's a lot of the people. It's a lot of the political ideologies of, oh, me and my family, we're fine. And these people are sucking up our resources, you know. Um, it, 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 and for Christians, I mean, I'm not even a hardcore Christian. I believe in God. But, you know, they should really be challenging, you know, making sure that their actions match their words and their values, you know, what they say mm-hmm. they value. Yeah. Um, that, that's where I'm coming from, is that Nancy Reagan's slogan of just say no isn't working. And okay. so what we're doing now, uh, you know, it's not worked. Obviously, so we need to try a new approach that people are very smart and we got to open our minds to new solutions to think how we can keep people from dying on the street. People, right. nephews, yeah. 
All right, Carlos, I'm going to let you go. I got a lot of calls coming in, but I appreciate that. I'm so glad that you've been sober for sober for 17 years. And I think the point that you make, uh, just say no, didn't work for everybody. It works if you just say no. That does work. Um, but if you say yes, and with some of these newer drugs, especially the fentanyl and some of the, the new meth, it's not the same meth as it was before. Uh, if you say yes one time, uh, you're hooked. It's a bad deal. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. Uh, Alma in Alhambra. Alma, welcome to Southern California Live. Um, yeah, I was listening to your your program, and I just tuned in, and I said, okay, I got a call. Uh, no, I don't think it's going to work. Absolutely not. There, there's no safe way. The only safe way is just not to do it, although it's easier said than done. But I'm a former addict myself, a meth addict, and... Um, I came out through it, and that was because it was harder to access for me. So I think that if the government really cared about, uh, you know, reducing the, the drug use and overdose and everything else that comes with it, uh, they might want to start aiming at uh, the cartels, bringing in the mm-hmm. drugs. That'll help reduce. And um, I think also, too, that if uh, these addicts, uh, I mean, it basically comes down to a choice that they made. That, that's the bottom line. And... Uh, you know, for them to overdose and have a kit ready for them. I mean, you know, sometimes it takes tragedies for some people to change. And yeah. unfortunately, so it does happen. And, um, you know, but uh, ultimately, ultimately, I believe that we, um, God is the only way. Jesus Christ is the only way. That's, 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 he'll reduce it. He'll take you away from it. He will steal it and throw it out. Yeah. That's, that's the only way that I see that uh, anybody can, uh, uh, you know, uh, come out good out of it. All right, Alma, thank you for calling. I've got to go to a break, and, and folks, keep on the line. I've got a lot of calls here. You know, she makes the point, and others have made the point, that there's a spiritual connection here, and uh, we'll get to that, of course. Um, you know, if you take God out of it, how do you get better? What's the motivation, even in some cases, to get better? And I think that deep down, that's a big part of however you want to solve this. There's a lot of people, there's one person on the line, please don't hang up, we'll get to you at the end of the break, who believes this is a good idea, and I definitely want to talk to you and get your thought about that. 888-LA-TALKS, 888-528-2557. This is the Thursday edition of Southern California Live. We'll be right back. Welcome back to this Thursday edition of Southern California Live. Scott Furrow with you, and we're taking your calls about harm reduction and this uh, practice, this philosophy that is being used um, in a lot of our cities today to help homeless people or drug addicts. Uh, ultimately, the intent is to really help people um, not die and to get off the drugs, but there's a lot of questions as to whether or not this works or not, and uh, the I, this is where you get to the the programs where the government is giving you needles and in the news this week was the story that the president was giving out free crack pipes to people. It's not exactly like that. Okay. Uh, we've delved into that a little bit earlier this hour, but there is the, the kits that help people do drugs in a more safe way is a part of it. And uh, so we were asking your opinions on it. I asked if somebody would call who believes this is a good idea, maybe who's participated. So I want to go to Ralph in Long Beach uh, Ralph, thanks for calling into Southern California Life, and thanks for holding. Thanks for taking my call. Yeah. Well, I think we have a responsibility to people that are drug addicts, and I agree we should cure them and we should get them off drugs. However, that doesn't seem to be working right now. 
And there are antidotes like flumazenil and Narcan that at least would keep people from dying of a drug overdose. And unlike your last caller, who seems to think that's okay if people die from a drug overdose, I don't think that's okay. I think we have a civic responsibility to try to protect them. I also agree with the caller that called before the woman last caller that there's an off-target effect of people on drugs. They pass bloodborne infections like the AIDS epidemic to other people. So clean needles protects the population. We don't know what the next virus that's going to be passed by dirty needles is going to be. So yeah. I think there's a public health aspect to this. So it's not only to help the person who's drug addicted. We should be helping them. But it's to protect the general population. So, so it's certainly I, a lot more uh, nuanced than uh, what uh, the first look at it actually is, you're saying. Well, that's the point. I think you need to take a more nuanced look at it. Because yeah. I think it really is, in the end, a public health program. It's not just meant to supply drugs to drug addicts. It's to protect us and to help them. So you know, I think one I of think the, the uh, things that it, that is going on is the, the AIDS program, the HIV program, the studies show that that did work to help prevent the spread of HIV uh, among homeless and drug addicts. And that's where a lot of this, those studies are kind of driving the rest of this. Say, well, it worked with the HIV. And the thing is, is I don't know that it helped anybody survive their drug addiction. And that is uh, where I think the question is now is it is getting worse. And are these programs working or are they not working? Do we need to go in a completely different direction? Uh, Ralph, I want to get to the other calls, but I appreciate your calling and talking about how there's nuance. Obviously, you know, with these things, we can't just throw everything out. There's there's things that are that are there that we want to talk about. Uh, let me get to the couple of other calls and then we'll try to wrap it up here. Uh, Morelli, you've been holding a long time from Whittier. Thank you, Morelli, for calling. You still with me? Hello. Hi. You're still there. Thank you for holding so long, Morelli. Hi. Welcome no, to... it's okay. it's just, uh, my name is Mirati, and I'm from oh, Whittier sorry. Hills. Um, oh, okay. But, yeah, I, uh, when I was younger, I used to use, and I don't think that it's something that's going to work. Yeah. Okay. I think if anything, if someone if someone comes across something like that, even or if it's someone that's struggling with and trying to get better, it could possibly trigger that person to use. Because that usually is what happens when you're trying, like when you're in the in between. I feel like, um, of course, needles. I think that does help because it goes into your flesh. You know, it goes into your skin, and it's it's like it comes with uh, into contact with your blood. But a smoking kit, I don't see a safe way of smoking, you know? Because, rea- like, realistically, a person, if they want to, like, smoke crack, they can smoke it out of a, a can if they wanted to, you know? like. You know, I think so that what? that's one of the, uh, a good point there is, is part of this is sort of re- the idea is reducing harm, like secondary things, but there's no safe way to smoke crack, really, however you're doing. There's no safe way of taking heroin. There's no safe way of doing meth like you may not die the first time but you're putting yourself in a position where death is the next step if you don't stop does that make sense you have that choice you yeah. know like because I, like i said i used to use drugs so um you have a choice of whether you want even in even if you're in a, in a situation where you're stuck you have to come to a realization with yourself of do I want to keep living this way or do I want to change and then you you're, you start with your next step 
but I feel like there's like there's kids that are hungry and there's no there's nothing they don't have that choice. They're yeah. just hungry. They don't have food. Those resources could be going towards them or uh, people that are in dialysis that can't get their their necessities met. <clears throat> I just feel like it's it's not the right approach, and I think it, I think that uh, something needs to be done about it. But it's not that it's not and working. I All right. I want to go to the next caller. I appreciate that. Thank you. I'm sorry we got your name wrong on there. Rick in Ontario. Thank you for calling, Rick. Hi, Rick. DHM. DHM. Thanks for having me. I just wanted to let you know that the word marijuana popped up right in the beginning of the show. And marijuana, cannabis, that's what these crackheads go to immediately to try to calm down. And it's the only thing that will calm down. They take four steps, turn around, and beat the heck out of something that's not even there. Uh. They... When I talked about marijuana, I was making a joke about uh, the Awana program. That's a church kids program that a friend of mine called marijuana. So I wasn't really calling it. I wasn't really talking about it at the moment. But do you believe that that we should be handing out marijuana to uh, people who are using crack and other heavy drugs? But I have smoked marijuana for 50-some years. When I walk in, people are quite polite. All right, Rick, thank you for calling. I appreciate that. Uh, Deborah from Compton, thank you for calling Southern California Live. Hi. Um, I am totally uh, against harm reduction to a degree, only because I'm in recovery from crack cocaine. Um, and, I, I, you know, if they, if they, leak, they don't legalize alcohol, marijuana, methadone, and all this other stuff, we're crippled enough as a country. We are hurting tremendously. And that's, I think, a big point is that the drug program and the drug culture, the drug culture, I mean, is getting worse, not better. Yes, sir. And it took me a year and a day to to desensitize my entire being regarding substances. Mm. I smoked for years. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't do that in no, no 120 days without some intense follow-up. Right. We, we're dropping the ball in a lot of places. We are. Deborah. Uh, how you doing now? You you uh, sober? You doing okay? I've been blessed to have 23 years clean from cigarettes on up. All right, Deborah. That is great. Thank you, Thank you very much for calling and sharing your thoughts on, on this subject. Um, you know what is something just I, I've been thinking about during this hour is we've had so many calls, and most of you who called, you've gone through it. You have come here and you've said, hey, I've been a drug addict and I've gone through this thing. Thank you for sharing your story. You know, when you're able to share, that's part of uh, that's part of grace as followers of Jesus. I don't know if all of you are believers, but something that happens because Jesus dies for you and redeems you, that word redeems, you're bought back. And even though you have had these hard things and you've made choices that have been bad, and we all have those in one way or the other, but in your cases, drugs, things that risked your life, maybe jeopardized or harmed, maybe even permanently, relationships, so many different things. Being redeemed means you can tell your story and help other people, and God takes that sin, which maybe you still wish you didn't have, but now God can use it to do amazing things for other people who are suffering currently or about to suffer. Thank you so much for calling and feeling like you can share your story here. Um, we got a minute here left or two. Let me just uh, 
share this with you. Galatians chapter 6, verse 1, brothers and sisters, if somebody is caught in a sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Carry each other's burdens, and in this way you will fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks they are something when they are not, they deceive themselves. Each one should test their own actions. They can take pride in themselves alone without comparing themselves to someone else, for each one should carry their own load. Nevertheless, The one who receives instruction in the word should share all good things with their instructor. Do not be deceived, it then says. God cannot be mocked, a man reaps what he sows. Uh, Whoever sows to please their flesh from the flesh will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let's not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. Therefore, if as we have opportunity to... Uh, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all people, especially to those who belong in the family of believers. You know, there's a lot of uh, nuance to drug recovery and things, but some things I think that we can agree on is is things are getting worse. And I think if I were just to sum up what for me makes me feel like these programs, the harm reduction, isn't going to ultimately work. Maybe there needs to be a part of it here and there. I'm not sure about the vending machines or handing out other drugs, or, you know, I've been with people who have died of AIDS and I've been with people who've died of heroin overdose and uh, meth and it's all horrible. And I'm not sure that stopping one disease to die of another is ultimately doing a lot. Um, I understand there's a public health issue with part of that. Um, I think that at the core of all of this, and this is a longer discussion, but at the core of all of this is we have lost as a culture the idea that we need to be accountable for our actions. We don't want to believe this idea that God cannot be mocked and a man reaps what he sows. My friends, it's just true. It's just the way it is. Whoever sows to please their flesh, from the flesh they will reap destruction. Whoever sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. That's at the core of what this is about. But then it says, let's not become weary in doing good. I think that tells us to not give up. And that's something I think is critical here. Let's not give up, as discouraging as this subject is. Let's not give up, and let's not just leave it to sort of the political headlines, the crack pipes or the not crack pipes or the different things. As believers, let's get into the nitty-gritty. Let's get in relationship with each other, and let's realize that salvation for people who are dealing with these things, a relationship with the living God is so often the thing that pulls them out and makes them people who are going to do great work work in their redemption to help. So much more to say, but I'm out of time. Thank you for all of your calls today. This is Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. I'll be back tomorrow at 3 o'clock, 3 to 5 on KKLA and KPRZ. Go to kkla.com and kprz.com, those websites to find more ways to connect with each other online. God bless you. I will see you tomorrow. Have a great evening. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.